Wiggles? No, that's something else. Sorry. Sorry. Something. <laughs> hey, boys and girls. Sorry. <laughs> and they get paid millions. Please continue. <clears throat> yes. The uh, great, other great Aussie conspiracy to take over the world. We got, we had Crocodile Dundee, right. Rupert Murdoch, yeah. uh, the Wiggles. Right. The trifecta. Is there another one? And, and yeah. ACD, ACDC. Oh, the okay. <laughs> right. I gotcha. You know, there's there's a law passed by the United Nations that uh, at least one ACDC track must be used as a soundtrack in every big budget Hollywood film. Um, I think. I think Judging by that, that stands to reason. That stands yeah. up, actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, last time, uh, for people who haven't listened to the last episode, we sort of looked at uh, the the. The stories uh, coming out here, predominantly in the Western media, about the Uyghur detainment camps in China, and uh, you know, my my main um, uh, contention. Uh, no, my main. Uh, uh, um, gee, I had one coffee this morning. I can't think. The thing I really wanted to explore when we when I started this series was to look at the difference but the differences in the coverage in the western media of the Uyghur situation in China and right. say the treatment of the Palestinians by the Israelis Ooh, right um but as i dug into it i noticed a growing number of discrepancies and problems with the reporting now mm-hmm. uh, of course after the first episode came out the usual china haters um jumped on my uh, head and ranted and raved and screamed and, and made up right. stuff that I said, which I didn't say in the show, the claim yeah. that I said, you know, that I was, you know, why do you believe Why do you believe everything the Chinese government says? I think I'm very clear in the show and saying I believe that there's propaganda coming out from both sides and Absolutely. what I'm trying to do is figure out where the line is. Um, yeah. and, and one of the ways is looking at, the 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 caliber of the sources and, and the background of the sources. We're gonna do we did a little bit of that last week. We're gonna do more of that um in this episode. But before we get into that, yeah. Um I want to talk about uh getting back to the Jews, Jaina and the Jews. Um uh, yeah. <laughs> well, this is the show where we do uncomfortable things, right? You're used to doing uncomfortable <laughs> to things. Each other. Right. Usually in a bathroom in Vegas, right. but this is with a video camera and a smile. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. And a whip. <laughs> you know, um, 
I, I did come across one article in Al Jazeera, uh, prominent Jewish figures in the United Kingdom mm-hmm. were marking Holocaust Memorial Day by speaking out over China's treatment of the Uyghurs in China, saying that they had a moral duty to speak mm-hmm. out against it. Uh, the, mm-hmm. This is a quote. The Holocaust Educational Trust's chair made an explicit analogy with the Holocaust, saying every news report, every video online, every testimony should be a rallying cry for all of us and that we Jews of all people must not be silent over the Uyghurs. The reform movement's senior rabbis declared that defending the Uyghurs was the only moral option we have. Um, When it came to the subject of Palestine, they went, what? What's a Palestine? (laughs) Never, never never heard of it. Not ringing a bell. I just have to ask real quick. So I, I think the Jewish leadership in the UK needs to be careful just because they're bringing this to, or they're making a statement about the situation, which again, all the facts are still cloudy. Cause like you said, the West is saying one thing, China is saying another. And of course they're both very capable of lying. So we really don't know the details, but, but the Jewish leadership needs to be very careful are they just saying, hey, it's our job to comment on something that may be an inhumane treatment of the people, or are they comparing it to the Holocaust? Because they, they have to, I think they need to be very careful with that because that's apples and oranges. You can speak up if you want, but don't. I hope they're not equating what's going on or may not be going on in northwestern China versus what happened during World War II. I just oh, hope I they're clear I, about that. I think they are equating it, um, yeah, deliberately but equating it. The final solution, get rid of all the Jews in Europe. They actually killed 6 million of them versus camps in northwestern China that may or may not be re-education camps. That's not exactly the same not yet. thing. No, not, not yet. yet. I think their point. No, just, this has been going on since 1949. If they were going to wipe them out, they could have wiped them out a long time <laughs> ago. But anyways. Yes. Like I think their point is it's bad and it could get a lot worse. Um, it might be bad. We don't know, actually. But well, they bad. think they do know that it's okay. bad. And listen, and, and I want to clarify this, and I thought I was clear yeah. about this in the last episode. I'm not saying that this isn't happening. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, Noam yeah, yeah. Chomsky, no, no. Noam Chomsky exactly. has come out and, and signed a, a, a letter along with a bunch of other scholars and academics you know, yeah. telling China to cut it, cut it out. Noam Chomsky obviously believes that something's going on. Um, so I'm not saying that it's not going on. I'm saying that what's going on is unclear. And you know, my my ta- the, the rhetoric about it has been ramping up extensively in the last couple of years. You know, not coincidentally, uh, parallel with the Trump administration's trade war with mm-hmm. China. Um, you know, it also seem, it correlates with when China ramped up their activities after the last set of terrorist activities, et cetera, mm. you know, terrorist um, um, incidents by the Uyghurs or certain elements of the Uyghurs in Xinjiang. Oh. But uh, so I'm not, I'm not saying it's not happening, but what I am saying is that the rhetoric is overblown. Right. Um, it, it may all be true. I, I don't know. But when I dig into it, it seems uh, uh, dicey, and we'll get into more right. of that later on. The Western media coverage of it is very easy to pick apart um, and, yes. and 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 uh, you know draw attention to some of the issues with it. 
and, and the Western media isn't doing that to itself. Whenever, whenever I see the Western media, right, obviously doing a lazy job of reporting on something which they're reporting with massive amounts of rhetoric. Oh, mm-hmm. it's the greatest tragedy in modern times. We won't ask who the sources are or who's funding them or where they came from or how their right. stories have changed over the last couple of years because that, you know, that's too yeah. much detail. We don't want to go into that. You know, my, my bullshit filter goes off. And also, as I said before, I wanted to compare the rhetoric about this in the Western media versus, you know, the way that the the treatment of the Palestinians is covered, et cetera. It's, yeah. it's the coverage of... Uh, uh, the 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 people that we don't like because we're in the middle of a war, a trade war, an economic war, a war of yes. ideas with versus that. the people we yeah. consider our allies, even though they do brutal and horrible things, but they're our, right. they're the, they're our friends, so we don't talk about it in the same sorts right. of terms. Just the it's the hypocrisy of the coverage yeah. that bo- that bothers me. If I could just add on to that real quick, um, the the point that I'm hearing is, and that I'll make is that if you just listen to the Western press and you don't question, you don't try to analyze it, you don't dig down into the sources, as far as you're concerned, this is the beginnings of another Holocaust, which may not be the case. So what China, I wouldn't want to be there. I wouldn't want to be one of the Uyghurs uh, being dealt with by the Chinese government. I'm sure it's very unpleasant and there's probably some bad stuff going on. But is it, like you said, is it to the degree uh, that is being presented? Because again, th- this is nothing more than a stick to beat the Chinese government with because why we are in a trade war and you use any weapon that you could get into your hands. And this is um, something we've seen play out before over and over yeah. again we've seen this yeah. kind of uh we've seen fake Oral media outrage. campaigns against yeah. the, you know our enemies and and it's only years later sometimes decades later that we find out that it was all manufactured yeah. and we go oh well that was then that would never happen now we're and <laughs> we're, or we're too sophisticated to fall for it yeah it's Not, 2021 we've got the internet yeah. we know everything yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Palestine, uh, Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas has declared that Palestine supports China's legitimate stance on issues concerning its core interests like Hong Kong and Xinjiang. So on one hand, you've got the Jews going, this is a bad situation, but ignoring Palestine. On the other hand, you've got the president of Palestine saying, uh, yeah, no, we kind of, we're we're good with detention camps. Yeah. (laughs) Or at the very very least, it's the president of Palestine going, you know what? It's an internal Chinese problem. It's within their borders. They get to decide how to deal with it as long as they don't, you know, go too far one way or the other. To me, that sounds like a person who is um, in a country, running a country that's tired of outsiders having an outsized influence on their internal issues. I mean, they can certainly relate to what China is going through by everybody telling them how to be and what to do. Palestine's like, look, we don't like it. I'm sure the Chinese don't like it either. So, Right. But you would think the Palestinians, as a people that are fighting for survival against uh, uh, a larger right. now and, and better funded uh, uh, military that is trying to crush them, would have empathy. For the Uyghurs in this situation, of people that you know want their independence from a bigger right. power, yeah. it's all so confusing. None of it's this makes sense. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's really weird. Yeah. Saudi Arabia. Um, this is, I think, leading on from um, the Mahmoud Abbas statement. He said, "Saudi Arabia, where Muhammad was born and died, 
signed a letter praising China's remarkable achievements in the field of human rights and describing its actions in Xinjiang as de-radicalization measures, including the establishment of vocational education and training centers. Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, the UAE, Algeria, and other Muslim-majority states blocked a UN motion calling for China to allow independent international observers into Xinjiang. So the Western media is positioning this as China's Holocaust-like treatment of Muslims, although, as we pointed out in the last episode, there's somewhere between 60 to 80 million Muslims in China. There's only supposedly a million in these detention camps out of 11 million Uyghurs, and even that million number, it's really hard to get any legitimacy around those numbers. They all seem to come from one or two seemingly biased sources that just keep getting repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated, and everyone believes they're true. But when you try and drill down, well, who, who counted those? Yeah, it's it some, some yeah. crazy, uh, you know, right-wing, evangelical, anti-homosexual, right. uh, the end of times is coming, Christian, German, nutcase. Um, now, but interesting, though, that, that also these leading Muslim countries, Palestine, mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, Egypt, etc., cetera, are supporting China's position here. Um, obviously, hysterical Saudi Arabia, where the worst, you know, the 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 worst extremist Muslim terrorists come from. They right. attacked, the, you know, the World Trade Center on nine eleven. Mostly Saudis, funded by Saudi money, as far as we know. Um, you know, all of the Wahhabist terrorists, uh, Al Qaeda's, comes from you know uh, Wahhabi uh, Sunni Muslim. Um, mm. ISIS comes out of Wahhabi Sunni Muslim. Uh, you know, so uh, they're the ones going, oh, yeah, yeah, got to do something about these uh, crazy Muslim terrorists. <laughs> but really, let me. Where, uh, they, yeah. they, their crown prince had a guy, you know, chopped up in a bathtub. Literally. Yes. Uh, but, but they're the ones speaking, you know, going, no, no, we need to do something about the extremists. Right. Right. Well, no. just, just like America is using this situation, do you think the average American cares? much less knows what's happening to the Uyghurs. Come on, we, with all due respect to my own country, we don't care. But as, as America is using this subject like a blunt instrument to beat the Chinese with these other countries that you just mentioned who have in their own, uh, they have the right not to like America and they have very good reasons not to like to America. They're defending another victim of American foreign policy. So again, but then, I don't think these they These are care all American either. allies. Saudi Arabia? Well, yeah, well, they're, Egypt, I, I would call them the UAE, economic Pakistan allies. Come on, do you think Pakistan likes us? UAE, uh, they were hiding, they, like they were hiding, they were hiding bin Laden yes, in the backyard exactly. for 10 years. But thank you, but they love us, but they, they're Come good on. friends, you know. No, they um, are, they like Saudi money. Arabia. I mean, how many billions of dollars of weapons do you sell them every year they're your good buddies it's, you got the deal it's a with form the oil. of prostitution it's all about the money but they don't really don't like us and they don't really i don't think they really have a stake in this they don't care but they get to back china my because, point is that you know yeah. on the surface of things they're not your enemies they're your allies on paper yes <laughs> yes Yes, that's my point. It's an economic. It kind of point. reminds me of our, our Syrian civil war series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, shout out to Scotty Burbick, who right. said that he's just listened to it for like the fourth time. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, by the way, I threw out a challenge to Scotty this week. And if he's right. listening to this or watching this, 
mm-hmm. expect you to, you know, don't let me down, Scotty. Don't let me down. I'm counting on you. You're my man. Uh, I expect is- big things out of you. Don't okay. fucking let me down. Don't. Um, uh, someone why- who lets down Cam Weekly, don't <laughs> let him down, Scotty. Please don't. I'm having a good time now. Please continue. Yeah. (laughs) Why aren't Arab Muslims more upset about the treatment of their fellow Muslims in China? Well, as we talked about on the last episode, there's China is literally in the middle of their billion, multi-billion dollar uh, Belt and Road Initiative. It's going to affect like 60 countries in the area where they're trying to improve the infrastructure so people can better, uh, more efficiently trade with China. Roads, bridges, buildings, structures, that kind of stuff. And so there's a lot of countries in that region that are in the perfect position to get really big, I think either free, not free, but low interest loans from China to help with the infrastructure, to help China and help trade for everybody. And and if you open your mouth and you start complaining about Beijing, you might not get a check like everybody else in the the neighborhood is going to get a check. So again, no shock, it comes down to money, lots and lots of money. So it's the Chinese Marshall Plan. Hey, it worked for us for decades. It's working for China. I think you should call this episode, Do As I Say, Not As I Do, because we're mm. bitching at China. They're doing things that learn from us, um, but it's okay when we do it. It's not okay when they do it. Here's a bunch of money to shut the fuck up and do what we tell you and crush right. any crush any internal yes. movements yes. that yes. might be criticizing us. Um, yeah, look, uh, you, you know, it, it, that would seem to be one of the explanations for why these Muslim countries mm-hmm. are not as upset about this as they are over Palestine or as they used to be over Palestine because we know that a number of these countries recently, Bahrain and I think it was UAE, um, signed peace deals with Israel uh, pushed mm. by the Trump administration. Right, right. You know, oh, yeah, it was. That's shit. That's the next note in my things. There you go. I yeah. should have just read my notes. The Abraham Accords, um, right. named after Abraham Lincoln because uh, he loved because the Jews. Because everybody loves him, right? And he loved the Jews and right. hated, hated the Palestinians. Oh. Well known. He hated the, right. he hated the Negroes and the Palestinians, Abraham Lincoln. I'm uncomfortable. And, and, unless they were useful. And then he'd go, oh, no, the Negroes. Yeah. No, I changed yeah. my mind on that. I think they're, they're great. As long as they pick up a gun and fight for us, I think they'll be fantastic. Right. Exactly. Um, no, named after the uh, patriarch Abraham, the founder of Judaism uh, and Islam and Christianity. Wow. Um, in, in different, well, you know, they all come, they all go up to right. Abraham. So if there's a family um, tree, he's at the top or, or- mm. Mm. Whatever you call those diagrams, I don't know what you call. Yeah, them. he's like you, right? And all of the all of your illegitimate half man, half pig children running around Virginia, right. Christianity. They were conceived damn. in love. Don't even Amazing. try that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. So uh, UAE and Bahrain recently signed the Abraham Accords, uh, basically mm-hmm. throwing the Palestinians under the bus. Um, right. Now, millions of Palestinians have been forced out of their homes and their villages turned into refugees. According to the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, more than 1.5 million individuals live in 58 recognised Palestine refugee camps in Jordan, Lebanon and Syria and other places. Right. 
Um, but that's okay to the US uh, and the Western media in general. That's fine. Yes. Because you don't hear about it. it. It's right. Israel doing it, right. not China. Um, and like China, Israel doesn't allow um, human rights watch groups to go mm-hmm. into the West Bank to see what's going on. Smart move. Um, you know, there are, you know, as I said at the beginning of the last episode, you know, we, we have this issue with Israel where we go, well, Israel is a democracy and they're capitalist, so they get a pass. Right. Uh, China, I think your new president, uh, Sleepy Joe, um, Ukraine Joe, as I like to call him, right. um, you know, recently said that there's not a democratic bone in Xi Jinping's body. Does there have um, to be? <laughs> I'm, I mean, okay. Anyway, I'm, I'm sorry to mean to. I don't know. Yeah, what the point of that was. Um, but, you know, d- d- yeah, Germany was a democracy. You know, let's not forget that. Not just a democracy. Germany um, in the, the the early 30s, the late 20s, early 30s, was the leading, the world's leading democracy. It was the greatest, like, yeah. the greatest country Experiment. in the world. Produced yeah. the greatest thinkers and artists and oh, yes. scientists, authors, poets, musicians. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it was. It was the leading light of the democratic world, and you know the the Nazis came out as a result of that. The Nazi atrocities legally. came out as a result of a capitalist democracy. Yeah, they Hitler got power legally, and people seem to forget that sometimes. But uh, yeah, he worked within the system, and which is why we have to watch what's going on in the United States very carefully. Not that I'm trying to get sidetracked with the white supremacists and and the whole the the uh, the insurrection on January 6th. So. That's why you have to take that stuff seriously because it can happen again. And Australia runs concentration camps. We don't like to call them that. that. Right. Um, That's no. a bad title. We call right. them caravan parks, um, <laughs> holiday retreats. Right. Yeah. But they're concentration camps. People are yeah. concentrated in a small area, kept behind bars, who've right. committed can't no be. crimes. They're right. asylum seekers. There are currently thousands of asylum seekers uh, being held in immigration detention is mm-hmm. what we call it. Um, we like to, you know, ideally keep them away from Australia. We, we stop them before they get here and now oh. they enter our waters. Our Navy picks them up or Border Patrol picks them up and throws them on other people's islands where they, they're not, they don't get access to the legal benefits of actually landing on Australian soil. Right. We send them to places right. like Nauru and Manus Island and um, places like that. Um, and, you know, immigration detention in Australia is indefinite. We, we, right. we grab you, we throw you in a prison, and we can basically keep you there as long as we want. You um, have li- no rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not allowed to talk about it in Australia. If you go there and see what's going on, if you're a doctor or some sort of an activist and you go to these places and you come back, by law, you're not allowed to talk about what you saw. Does that mean Australia is not a democracy? No, we're a democracy. You're just not allowed to talk about certain things that would be uncomfortable to talk about. Oh, conditionally, you're a democracy. Welcome to the club. Well, look, this gets back to our um, freedom of speech topics that we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. There's no uh, complete freedom of speech anywhere. 
Right. There are always limits on freedom of speech and with good justification, usually. There are free there are limits to all of our freedoms, including freedom of speech. Right. Uh, and and that happens to be one of them now in Australia. You can't talk about the detainment camps. Don't Do talk know, about the war. I talked about it once, right. but I think I got away with it. Okay. Just in general, do you know how roughly how long these camps have been going on uh, that the Australian government's been doing? I'm just curious. Uh, it'd be 20 years now. Okay. Guessing? Right. Yeah. Okay. We started to get really worried about asylum seekers uh, around about the time of 9-11, a little bit before that. They were coming in uh, when John Howard w- was uh, first elected in the late 90s. Mm. Uh, okay. But then after 9-11, we sort of cracked down anyone, because a lot of them are Muslims coming from war-torn Muslim countries, and we just throw them on islands. And they're dark people, right? Dark Muslims. So, you know, we don't really right. worry too much about them. What happens if you do let them go? Are they going to be slightly pissed at Australia? Um, were they maybe seeking hope Um from Australia at one point, and now they hate all everything that you stand for, uh, and they would really like to hurt you, but you've got them locked up in a camp. So I guess maybe you can't let them go now, or you've turned them into extremists, kind of like Guantanamo. Um, I, I again, these are things we I guess we don't know because we're not allowed to talk about it or find out. And you could it. say the same thing about the camps in Xinjiang. I guess mm-hmm. I don't think we're running our camps as re-education camps. And we just throw yeah. them in there. And there are stories that come out about them being raped and abused and all that sort of stuff, but right. it doesn't get a lot of media play here. And when our media has tried to talk about those things uh, in recent years, as well as the the, the uh, actions of our soldiers in Afghanistan, killing mm. people, civilians, yes. uh, the government uh, has sent the federal police in to storm them, their homes, the journalists' homes and their, <sighs> and their media offices and take their computers and you know, basically terrorize them, threaten to throw them in prison. Right. Do you, I just have to ask one last follow-up question. Do you know roughly how, what are the numbers in the Australian organized camps? Do, I, if, do you have any idea? Not yeah, sure. just thousands, I believe. Okay. Because in Guantanamo, I think in Guantanamo, the what I read on one source was, um, in the last, whatever, 20 years, 780 people have been through there. There's down to about 40 people now. But like you just said, with the Australian camps, some of those people have been there since 2001, 2002. They have they have lost the prime of their life being held and not charged. And if they weren't radical before, if they were innocent before, they're certainly not um, have benevolent thoughts towards America. Now, if you do let them out, they probably will want to get some revenge. So the whole thing is it's, I mean, I certainly don't have the answer, but uh, we certainly created a horrible situation with these people. It's like when you invaded Iraq and, uh, you know, killed Saddam Hussein right. and then went, wow, we've created the mess now. We, we, we have to stick around. We can't leave. Right. Same sort of a deal. Well, we, we threw them in prison, these guys. Probably most of them were innocent. Now what are we going to do? But, you know, it does, like, and it's not just Guantanamo, but it's all the CIA black sites, the secret torture camps around the world where the CIA was sending people that they pull off the street in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan just because, you know, a neighbour or somebody said, oh, yeah, they're they're, they're terrorists, you should go get those guys. Um, Again, that gets justified by the American government uh, yeah. And the American media, on and off, depending on you know, was justified for a long time. These days, it's less popular, you know, because mm-hmm. they, they blame it on Bush. 
um, but it was justified for a long time and, and with legal justification from the American government. So it seems, again, extremely hypocritical to say it's okay for us to throw people in prison because we suspect they might be connected with Muslim extremists. When yeah. the Chinese do it, it's a human rights tragedy. Uh, yeah. Now, the numbers are very different, 700 versus a million, if that million is in fact correct. There's massive difference. I get that. But the principle is the same. The ethics, exactly. the morals are the same. Yeah, it's very difficult to give me an argument that says, well, we can do it. It's, it's okay when we do it, but right. it's a human rights tragedy when someone else does the same thing. Well, in, in America, we like to say everybody's equal before the law. So you're right. It's not about numbers, whether it's 780 or 1.5 million. It's the principle. Either someone's innocent until they're proven guilty or they need their day in court or whatever. It's not about the numbers. But again, we have done horrible things um, that we've justified, we've excused, we've put it in a certain context. But when China does it, it's borderline Holocaust events happening and they need to stop it right now. And of course, the, the Japanese internment during World War II, another case in yeah. point, under FDR, Democratic Administration, these people had yeah. done nothing. Uh, but they were considered threats, so they were just rounded up and thrown in jail for several years. Um, yeah. I actually, uh, I just, I just started doing some research on that because that's coming up uh, soon in the World War II show. But I found out because a lot of this I didn't know. So you're right, FDR. He did the Executive Order nine zero six six. It affected one hundred and seventeen thousand lives. Who the majority of those people that were grabbed up and put in the camps, they were already American citizens. Canada did the same thing. They did it with about 21,000 people. Mexico did the same thing with a, a smaller number. But eventually it spread to um, Peru, Brazil, uh, Chile, Argentina. That we we They grabbed it, gave it to us, and we put them in our camp. So the, obviously the, one of the darkest moments of American history. Um, it, some people try to argue that we were saving them because they would have been attacked or killed by American citizens or whatever. But if that happens, then obviously you arrest the white American citizen who attacked the Japanese American citizen who didn't do anything. The whole thing is a clusterfuck. It was a huge mistake. Chinese are being accused of now. It's either wrong then and or wrong now, or I, I don't know how. Basically, again, it just goes back to it's just us beating, using it to beat the shit out of the Chinese because of trade practices that we don't like. So if it was wrong then, it's wrong now. End of discussion. It doesn't matter who's doing it or why they're doing it. In my humble opinion. Yeah. You know, it, it is. I mean, look, yes, we can get into the nitty-gritty arguments between numbers and and well mm. that was a war and this is different and that and this and that and whatever but yeah at the end of the day it, uh, ethically morally it, it's the same sort of argument i think it's very hard to um legitimately argue that they're very different things i think yeah. um and in terms of brain, you know, one of the things that people get upset about is, oh, they're brainwashing these people, apparently, in the uh, camps. Yeah. But America yeah. brainwashes its entire population every day. Mm -hmm. As I said on the last episode, I think, how many times do kids have to swear allegiance to the flag during their school years? I remember, don't enjoy this too much. I remember as the early 1970s, 
Um, I was obviously in elementary school. I had my Buster Brown shoes on. You don't have to know what those are. Those are, and I don't know what they're called. There's a specific name, but my mom used to dress me in a fake turtleneck. It was a turtleneck with a piece of cloth that stopped right here, covered by a second very gaudy 1970s shirt, but it looked like I had two shirts on. It was just the turtleneck neck part of the shirt. Anyway, those have a name. I remember standing up, told to put my hand on my heart. We pledge allegiance to the United States. And we did the same thing. I don't remember how long I did it. I don't remember when it stopped. It probably stopped when we moved from a school because my father was in the Air Force. But I remember doing it in elementary school for a very long time. And I finally got good at it. And then we didn't do it anymore. So, but um, yeah, um, we didn't have any idea what we were doing, but we were told to do it and we did it. Even though it was, they couldn't make us do it. There's a 1949 uh, Supreme Court ruling saying you can't do that, but some schools got away with it. They found ways around that. And they just do it. And I mean, yeah. and most parents are okay with it, I think, because they're yeah. like, yeah, America, yeah. bitch, this is what there, we there do. Was a- there was a couple of states where you, the parents had to specifically write a note in order for you to get out of it. But then again, of course, then you get ostracized and your yes. parents get talked about. So yeah. peer pressure. Yeah. Probably secret communists. Um, yes. And, you know, that's just one aspect of the brainwashing of Americans. And look, every country gets brainwashed to an extent. Chrissy and I had a big discussion about Australian mm-hmm. brainwashing you know, we have Australia Day. It's become more of a thing in the last 20 years as we've tried to Americanize it. Our conservative governments have tried to Americanize it. But, right. you know, it, outside of that, we don't have, you know, we don't swear any oaths. We don't, uh, we've got Anzac Day, maybe, and Australia right. Day. But, uh, you know, again, those two things are a bigger deal now than they were in my childhood yeah. when they were just kind of weird um, like small relicy things, I think, but in the pro-Americanization of our culture in the last 20 odd, 25 years, they've tried to make them a bigger deal, more patriotic. Yeah. And you see people with, you know, Australian flags on their cars on those days and lots of speeches about Australia's great sacrifices and that kind of nonsense. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but look, you know, American brainwashing from an outsider seems very evident to me. Um, with all of your your films and your TV about America versus the world, how you're the great, you know, the heroes of the world, all this kind of crap that people say with you know absolute seriousness, like the oh, president yeah. of America is the leader of the free world. The this most kind of powerful stuff, man. People believe the that. Planet. They believe yes. that's true. They literally yeah. think that's the, what's going on. Leader of the free world. <laughs> You hear that I don't know how many times a week on the news when they're describing when they when you can't just keep saying the president over and over and over again, they will not hesitate to say the leader of the free world when the rest of the country is like, what the fuck are they talking about? Are you following it? You know, whatever. So we don't know that we don't know any better because we don't care about things outside of our borders like the Wiggers. And so we all assume that you all are towing the line because we're told it. So it must be true. And then, you know, you've got the NSA monitoring all of your calls and your emails, yes, as well as the rest of the world's everything. calls and emails. And then and the U.S. government lied about it for many years Yes. Um, until Edward Snowden blew the whistle on it. So, look, my point is that, um, yeah. like, there's all of this bad stuff going on in your own country uh, historically and today, which gets completely justified, but when China does it, 
um, they're outright evil. But, you know, if we're being balanced and neutral, we need to call out China's treatment of the Uyghur people mm-hmm. um, and, and look for evidence of, of human rights abuses. But we also need to call out Australia and its actions against asylum seekers as well as our Indigenous population. We need to call out uh, the, the USA for doing similar things and, and all the other countries that do these sorts of things as well. Now, people, mm-hmm. you know, these days people like to go, well, that's whataboutism. We've, I've talked about this before. What aboutism is just a, a word that was invented to try and stop people comparing uh, the moral and ethical equivalencies of what two separate nations do, uh, right. you know, in, a, in an effort to try and prevent that kind of comparison People think today that you can just say, well, that's what aboutism, and that's going to shut it down, which is a a ridiculous bullshit ploy. Um, Yes, I am deliberately drawing analogies between the two and saying, well, if you're going to criticise one, criticise the others, including yourselves, equally. I mean, yeah. just that just seems like the right thing to do and, and address your own issues maybe whilst feel free to criticise other countries' behaviours, but address your own issues at the same yeah, time. Otherwise, you're just full of shit. Yeah. It takes a certain amount of courage to do that, and courage is lacking these days. And there were Uyghur guys in Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> How did they get there? From Well, weren't they volunteering for ISIL and things like that? Some of them were, so, yeah. Were uh, they? There's, is there evidence for that? There's not. There's not evidence but that's what the chinese government has said that here's further proof that there are that these people are terrorists and not just the ones that get someone, yeah 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 th- that they are terrorists um uh, because they ended up joining isil and um and another organization um and so here's the proof and we're like well again if you've been treating them like shit since 1949 i would be a little agitated as well so but again it's a justification to round these people up because they are and the other thing i learned from uh, a china hand is that the china government and i'm not saying this is good or bad this is just how they do things they use the word terrorist for everything any kind of anybody who steps outside of the line separatist uh, extremist anybody who's causing trouble they cuz and and it's not uh, a trick so you can be mean to them, but that's how the government views anyone who's not um, towing the line. Because again, the, the Chinese government is uh, communism and, and their government, at least theoretically is saying, look, we're all the same. We're all pulling on the same oars. We're all working together. If you are not doing that, you were more than just being lackadaisical. You're actually working against the country's goal. So they use the term terrorist for practically everything. So you have to remember that when you're reading any of their press releases or anything like that. That's just you're their either mentality. with us or you're a terrorist. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, they certainly. I mean, their their um, policy of social management. Uh, they take very seriously. Yeah, yeah, it's very different to the West. Um, yeah. You know, they're like, no, it's the it's you know, it harkens back to the um, uh, um, vanguard concept in, you know, uh, Marxist thought, Leninist thought, that you have uh, in, in a communist government, communist revolution, a communist government, communist government, you have a small group of the elite, if you like, the intellectual elite of the party, which are the vanguard, whose job it is is to run everything because they know what's best for the people. Now, in the West, obviously, we hate that idea. 
Um, right. We arc up against it, even though that's pretty much what happens in our countries as well. But we right. call it something different, and we we mask it with with you know fake elections and that kind of stuff. Where you're basically electing them, you know, rich white guys, whichever way you right. go, um, you get a choice between two rich old white guys. That's your yeah. that's your option. I, I need you, rich white guys, to go in uh, the House of Representatives. I need you, rich white guys, to go to the Senate. I need you, rich white guys, to go mm. on the Supreme Court. We'll mm. mix in a couple of other things to make it feel good, and the White House. Good democracy. Now here's Goldman Sachs to tell you what your uh, marching orders are for the next four years. There's your policies right here. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. No, look, we we don't like this idea of the vanguard and and you know this hard social management. I understand that. I don't like it either. I wouldn't like to live under that. I get it. The flip side is, as you know, we've talked about on the show before. China has pulled itself out of abject poverty 40 years ago to being mm-hmm. the world's number one or number two leading economy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they've they've basically cured most of their poverty. Um, the, you know, uh, I think 85% of the country was in poverty 40 years ago, maybe higher than that, 90%. Now it's down to, what, 5 or 10%, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done an incredible job. So if it, as Tony Coniston likes to say in our QAV show about his investing right. methods, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. You can sit there and go, well, we don't like that. And they're like, well, we don't fucking care because it works. Uh, you don't like it. Yeah. yeah. Look at the results. Yeah. Exactly. Results it works. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We are now one of the leading powers in the world yeah. because yeah. of how we run the show. You don't like it. We don't care. And look, I, I, I've never been to mainland China. I've been to Hong Kong, but I've never been to mainland China. I don't know how Chinese people feel about it in general. But and you know, I, I know we have listeners on this show that used to live in China, no Chinese people, whatever. Mm-hmm. But we also had John uh, Pabon um, come on the show. Uh, I, I played a clip from him last week. And he made the point, and I think makes sense, you know, but we, we talk about on our history shows all the time, most people just want to get on with life. They want a roof over their head, food in their belly. They want to get laid a couple of times a week. They want to have their families. They want to do have a job. They want some money in their pocket. They want to, you know, get some entertainment. Yeah. They want peace and prosperity and stability. Right. Yeah. That's if you so they got, can make plans. Yes. Yeah, and you just so yeah. you can enjoy your life. If if exactly. the, your government is giving you those things, <clears throat> then I think most people you're going to have your activists who go, well, they're not giving them to us in the right way. But most people are like, meh, yeah, it's good, it's working, top. right? Exactly. Yeah, I, particularly if they remember the dark times. Well, yeah, too, we you remember, you remember, 1970, we were all yeah. poor. Now yeah. we're not. Right. Good, right? Oh, good. Yeah, keep it going. Uh, meanwhile, America's economy, America, you know, middle class is disappearing and all this kind of yes. stuff. So the in, in the last 50 years, America's been going like that. China's been going like, like that. Yeah. In terms of in terms of the living standards of most people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, look, I, I get it. We don't we don't like the way they do things, but they do the way, you know, it's like when I talk to Iraqis. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talk about Saddam Hussein. We've got a lot of Iraqi immigrants here. I've mentioned this before on, on various shows. And I say, you know, what, what was life under Saddam like? And they go, you know what? It was pretty good. As long as you, yeah. as long as you didn't get on his bad side, it was pretty right. good. For the right. vast majority of Iraqis, 
under Saddam, life was good. It was a relatively secular, modern country mm-hmm. um, with all the, you know, all the the trappings of a modern economy. We lived, yeah. we lived well. Then the Americans came in and fucked it all up. Um, they removed Saddam and the place turned into a complete shit show, which it's been yeah. now for 20 years. And and 10 years before that, after Gulf War One, you know, they started fucking with it in a big way. Anywho, uh, moving right along, um, I want to talk about, um, you know, China inviting the UN to visit the education centres in Xinjiang back in 2019. They apparently invited right. them to come and visit. And ABC News in the US did visit the camps in 2019. Mm-hmm. According to a report uh, that I read from the ABC over there, all of the detainees ABC News was granted permission to speak with said they had applied to go to these vocational centres and that they were being detained voluntarily. However, despite Mm -hmm. what ABC News was shown on its tour, academic researchers knowledgeable in the region say these chaperone tours are highly orchestrated and staged prior to media arrival. Yeah. And, and they, who did yeah. and who did they quote? Who is their academic researcher who's knowledgeable? Who has no peer? Yeah. Tell me about Adrian Zenz. Tell Adrian me about Adrian Zenz. Well, we talked about him on the last episode. Right. Adrian yeah. Zenz, uh complete right German right-wing <laughs> Christian nutjob who wrote a right. book saying the end of the world is coming and only 22,000 people are going to go to heaven, et cetera, et cetera, oh. et cetera, and that he's criticising the Chinese because it's God told him to do it. It's part of his sure. Christian mission to make the world ready for the uh, <laughs> coming of Jesus. And right. Like he's batshit crazy, but the ABC News neglected to mention that. Aren't they supposed to do their due diligence? Okay, you're an expert, but it's my job. If I'm going to ask you questions and take your information and put it on my new show, shouldn't I check you out? Shouldn't I check out your background? Have people tell me about you? It sounds like that wasn't done because, oh, China expert, China hand, here you go. We'll just take our wigger expert, I guess I should say, and let's just use this guy and run with it. I'm the wigger expert. You know, hip, oh, hop, sorry. hip, 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 so after we posted uh, the last episode, um, somebody on our Facebook page or my Facebook page, I can't remember which, um, right. said, uh, you know, was was you know going to town saying that we were justifying Uyghur uh, atrocities and blah, 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 Chinese atrocities against the Uyghurs, yep. et cetera, et cetera. And I said, um, you know, what evidence do you have that the atrocities are going on? And he sent me a, a, a new BBC <clears throat> news story um, titled, Their Goal is to Destroy Everyone, Uyghur Camp Detainees Allege systematic rape. Um, So, you know, I I go and read that article. Um, More harrowing stories from survivors from the camps. And this time they explained a little more about how one of them ended up living in the USA. Remember I said last time, how did these people get to the USA? These people who said they were being tortured and now they're living in a nice house in America, usually around your way, Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one woman that they're talking about, um, and I'm going to get into her story a little bit uh, later in more Mm -hmm. detail, but this article says that she was brought to the United States by the Uyghur Human Rights Project. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder who they are. So uh, because the article didn't tell me who they are. Mm. 
Um, uh, so it's run by a guy called Mr. Omer Kanat. He's the executive director of the Wigger Human Rights Project, the UHRP. Uh, it says it's, uh, according to Wikipedia, it's a human rights research and advocacy organisation based in Washington, D.C. Mm. Um, Omer Kanat has two decades of experience as a broadcast journalist. Uh, really, I think to myself, where was he a broadcast journalist? Oh, okay. Well, from 1999 to 2009, Mr. Kanat was senior edi- editor at Radio Free Asia's Wigger Service. <laughs> Uh, Prior to his work at Radio Free Asia, he was editor and later senior editor at Radio Free Europe slash Radio Liberty's Tajik service. Radio Free Europe, Ray, uh, we talked about them Uh, on another show recently. What can you tell everyone about Radio Free Europe? Uh, Wasn't that the brainchild of the men who helped start the CIA? I think it started something like in 1949, something like that. And if I remember correctly, it wasn't until like 1976 that it came out that Radio Free was really nothing more than a front for the CIA being paid for out of the CIA's coffer. Obviously, Radio Free uh, continued on from there, but supposedly not uh, at the behest of the CIA. Come on, let's be honest. But it still has very pro-American views in its program. So whether it's um, being paid for by the CIA anymore is almost non-relevant because it's still doing the job it was doing since 1949, espousing a certain point of view, America good, all you sons of bitches, bad. Yeah, Radio Free Europe and all of the Radio Liberties, Radio Free This, Radio Free That around the world were CIA CIA fronts deliberately set up to spread anti-communist propaganda. Yes. um, By the CIA. Or any other enemies we have. Yeah. Yeah, mostly, you know, 1949 when it was established at the the beginning of the CIA, it was... um, anti-communist propaganda. And and this is one of the reasons why communist leaders around the world, Fidel Castro, et cetera, would shut down radio stations and later television stations and newspapers in their countries that were being funded um, secretly by the CIA. Mm -hmm. Of course, the Western media, Western governments would portray that as, you know, they're oppressing freedom of speech. And and the, and the Westerners yeah. would go, oh, well, that's really bad because they didn't know that it was being funded exactly. by the CIA. But Fidel Castro knew it was being funded by the CIA, but yes. the Americans yes. didn't. So everyone's like, oh, shock horror, this is horrible. Um, but, of course, you know, when uh, Russia tries to build uh, media sites to influence the way Americans think, Right. It has to be <gasps> shut down. That's 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 horrible. You can't. That's yes. trying to influence no. our democracy. But we did it. We've been doing <laughs> yeah. it for eighty years around the world. But when you yeah. do it to us, that's you're interfering with our democracy. When we do it, we're spreading freedom, loving freedom. Yeah, freedom loving people. Do as I say, not as I do. Okay, so that's the guy who runs the yeah. UHRP. But I've, yeah. I dug down uh, deeper, and like I got to tell you, like it, this sounds like I'm I'm you know. I'm the world's greatest investigative journalist. Honestly, people, this stuff takes me five minutes quite often. <laughs> like I go, that's interesting. Search, Wonder who search. these guys are. Search. Oh, shit. <laughs> Look at is. that. Fuck right. me. Why didn't anyone mention this before? Um, we could BBC so find the, out. Yeah. The Wigger Human Rights Project is 
part of something called the World Wigger Congress, uh, funded uh, mostly uh, by the National Endowment for Democracy, the NED. Right. American Hold on. organization. Hold <laughs> We've talked about on this series many times. Um, this is basically, uh, it was developed, I think, by Kennedy uh, mm-hmm. from memory, and it was a new way of influencing uh, um, underground uh, counter-revolutionary movements around mm. the world, uh, anti-communist movements, um, by just basically funneling American money to it. They, you know, they realize well, we've got another way of doing this. We go, oh, no, we, we, we can do this above board. We don't need to make it a secret. We go, yeah, we're just right. giving them right. money to help spread Dem- dem- democratic ideas around the world. Who yes. can argue with that, right? Because they're the best. Nice. The best, Jerry. Headquartered in Munich, Germany, the World Wigger Congress, WUC, the WUC, is an international umbrella organization with a network of 33 affiliates in 18 countries around the world. The WUC and its affiliates, particularly the Wigger American Association, Wigger Human Rights Project, and Campaign for Wiggers are cited mm-hmm. in nearly every Western media report on China's Uyghur Muslims. Oh. From its inception, this is, uh, I got this from the grey zone, actually, so shout out to Max Blumenthal and his team. From mm-hmm. its inception, the WUC has been backed by the National Endowment for Democracy. With millions in US taxpayer money, the NED and its subsidiaries have backed opposition parties, civil society groups, and media organisations in countries targeted by the US for regime change. Philip Agi, the late CIA whistleblower, described the work of the NED as a more sophisticated version of the old-fashioned covert operations that Langley used to engineer. Mm. Nowadays, Agi explained, instead of having the CIA going around behind the scenes trying to manipulate the process by inserting money here and giving instructions secretly and so forth, they now have a sidekick, which is yeah. this National Endowment for Democracy. Agi's assessment was confirmed by Alan Weinstein, a former Trotskyist and founding member of the NED. Weinstein told the Washington Post in 1991, a lot of what we do today was done covertly 25 years ago by the CIA. What does the mafia call it? Layers. Layers, Jerry. Levels, (laughs) Jerry. Levels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Just do it out in the, the NED- open. It's okay if you do it in the open. Go ahead. Um, yeah, the NED is, this is again from the gray zone, the NED has provided the WUC with millions of dollars in funding, including mm. $1.284 million since 2016 alone. I think this is, this is a few years old, this article. And millions yeah. of dollars in additional funding to WUC affiliate organisations. The grants are earmarked for training Uyghur activists and youth in media advocacy and lobbying to raise awareness of and support for Uyghur human rights, with a particular focus on US Congress, European Parliament, and the United Nations. I did not realize we were such good guys. I mean, I suspected we were good guys, but I didn't know that we cared so much about the Uyghurs. That's a lot so, of money. Well, yeah. you know, it's not that much money. I, I was like, a million bucks, well, that's nothing. Yeah. But you don't need to spend a lot of money, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you 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 use the money to create these stories and then you get them in all of your friendly media outlets around mm-hmm. the world and it just gets picked up and it runs with. You, you don't need to spend a lot of money. It's basically just PR. It's a PR yeah. campaign. 
they're getting a lot of bang um, for their buck. Yeah, yeah, to my buck, justification for punishing. Yeah, yeah. Now, so that's one part of the mm-hmm. Uyghur human rights project. But there's more. But wait, mm. oh, there's, there's one more. more thing, Ray. For an extra nine ninety five. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Where did it come from? This Wigger uh, Human Rights Project, or the WUC, the Wigger, uh, what did I say that stood for? The Wigger uh, World mm-hmm. Wigger Congress. Where did it? Go? Um, it goes back to a guy called Isa Yusuf Al Ptekin. Right. Um, he was one of the founders of the Wigger Separatist movement that we've talked about. Which emerged um, in uh, you know the sort of fifties um, after the communist revolution took control. Um, this guy uh, Al Ptekin, I'm probably fucking that up, but Al Ptekin um, was a member of the Kuomintang. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that fought against Mao Zedong. Right. Uh, and was given billions of dollars, as we've talked about in our Cold yes. War show, by the United yes. States to try and support oh, yes. uh, them in fighting the communists. Mm-hmm. So he was on the losing side of that war, and but he was I- Islam. And, and like your Christian leaders in America in the 30s, 40s, and 50s who saw socialism as a threat to Christianity, he saw socialism as a threat to Islam because we know that, you know, uh, going right back to the Communist Manifesto, Marxism sees religion as one of the tools of oppression of the people, and they want to wipe out religion generally. I mean, they allow it, obviously, in China because there's Christians Christians. are there and there's 80 billion Muslims, 80 million Muslims, sorry, et cetera. But, you know, at a a theoretical level, uh, and it's allowed in Russia now and all that kind of, but at a theoretical level, communists don't like Religion, although in practice, most socialist experiments around the world, including Cuba and places like that, have allowed religion to yeah. coexist, even though they don't like it. They've allowed it because eliminating it is like, you know, I think um, Fidel in his autobiography said, eliminating religion is like eliminating uh, racism or mm-hmm. eliminating uh, anti homosexual. Um, feelings in the population you know right they used to get criticized for uh, treatment of homosexuals and then he goes hey it's not us it's the people we try and stop them from doing it but this is deep you know this and it, it ties nature. in with religion and all this kind yeah, of stuff right exactly um anyway i mean you could say that's an excuse but uh, i mean you've got racism and anti anti uh, lgbtq movements and white extremism in the us the us is not able to shut that yeah. shit down yeah. and why should these well. countries be able to shut it down exactly. it's hard right when exactly. th- these are these are deep things that go way back they're generational very hard to identity to, politics to get rid of overnight yeah anyway so that was uh um yusuf he founded mm. the Uyghur separatist movement his son Erkan alptekin Right. Good He's name. the founder of the World Uyghur Congress and was their first president. In 1971, due to his father's connections, he got a job at Radio Free Europe in Munich. Right. Radio Liberty. Uh, he worked as a senior policy advisor. And uh, in the 70s and 80s, he uh, became an advisor to the CIA 
and <laughs> um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Bedfellows. So, yeah. 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 So, look, the CIA have been involved with the World Wigger Congress uh, for a long time yeah. and, you know, in large part between their involvement and the NED's involvement, we just have to be aware that all of these stories are being funded basically by the CIA and the NED at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Um, yeah who are anti-communist China that's uh, and pro-American objectives, which is mostly about American economic dominance, um, Mm -hmm. which obviously, you know, doesn't sit well with Chinese economic ascendancy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, sorry. And also in that BBC story that I was talking about. Right. It goes on to say uh, eternal documents from the Coons County Justice System from 2017 and 2018 provided to the BBC by Adrian Zenz, a leading expert on China's policies in Xinjiang, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Don't right. go on to explain that he believes in the rapture and that homosexuality is the work of the Antichrist. Again, exactly. like every time, like every story, man, I get this guy, guy popping up and they never say, yeah. but before you listen to anything this guy says, he's batshit right. crazy. <laughs> like, right. it, it, Tinfoil it, hat. It, it's mind-boggling yeah. how often these stories, you know, come back to this same set of really flawed sources and never mention how flawed these sources are. Yeah, because well, they themselves don't want to look stupid or irresponsible. Uh, but that's exactly what they're doing. They're taking the uh, short way out. It's like doing a podcast and relying on Wikipedia. I mean, that is just pathetic. <laughs> but the point is, they uh, obviously, they should be doing more balanced. Uh, yeah, they should do more work than you, Ray. Come on. They're the BBC. I don't think? expect much out <laughs> of them, but... <laughs> You would think, hey, let me let me give you my overall impression. On the other uh, hand, your justification can always be, hey, yeah. I, I work as hard as the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> right. A fine institution that's been around for a very long time. So Sorry. I was walking my dog today, and I was thinking about the whole Wigger situation. Is that a euphemism for? Uh, uh, no, 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 not this lovers? time. Um, oh, okay. No. Let me let me give you let me give you my general take on it. Here's how I see it. China is just in a really bad situation. Like, I don't need to go through the stats again, but you've got the northwest corner of their country. It's got, it's a pretty big place and it's got just tons, shit tons, because that is a real number, shit tons of different resources worth a lot of money. And no one, no one walks away from money. But on that land, those people have been there for a very long time. People either really don't fit in with the Communist Party, they have their religion, or they actually truly want to separate from the country and do their own thing. And China just like any other country, can't let them go. You can't let someone go with, with billions and billions of dollars in natural resources. It's just not going to happen. So what is China going to do? They can either crack down hard, like I think what happened in the in the late 1940s, early 1950s, or they can do what they appear to be doing now. Is there some arrests? Are people in re-education camps? Could be. I, I do know that a lot of the people who are affluent in that region are not the locals. It's the Han people who have been moved in. They have, with the help of the government, they are the ones who now own businesses and employ people or whatever. So even the locals are not benefiting from the resources that are in their country. China is just in an unenviable situation. Great opportunity. You've got the problem of the people. And do you kill them all? Do you lock them all away? 
China's probably not doing that. They're, are they doing some kind of middle of the road approach? It sounds like they're doing something like that, but they're certainly not going to get credit from the Western countries, the Western news agencies, because they're our adversary and you take any opportunity you can to bash your adversary. That's just the way the world works. So if America, if Australia, if the UK, if any, any Western democracy was in the same situation with this shit ton of uh, money, potential money, but uh, the, the people are a problem, what would they do? I seriously doubt if we would be handling it any better. And I seriously doubt if we would tolerate anybody criticizing us for trying to handle this very delicate situation. So I, I just think it's a really tough nut for China to crack and they're not getting any help from anybody else. And we couldn't handle it any better. That's my two cents on the, on the larger picture of what Beijing's going through. Yeah, look, look, it's very easy to say everything that China says is a lie regarding yeah. the situation. But if you if you pause that for a second and say, okay, mm-hmm. let's say there's an element of truth in what they're saying and that there is a massive separatist movement that has yeah. been conducting terrorist attacks that's run by Islamic extremists, mm-hmm. um, you know, what should they do? in this situation you know what would be the right course of action just stop and ask yourself that at the moment let's say that there are there is a massive um, separatist movement led Mm -hmm. by islamic extremists in this part of the country what's the right approach what should they do well what are the options do nothing right b um, only do something uh, when there's a terrorist, every terrorist attack, mm-hmm. uh, arrest the people involved and then go back to monitoring the situation and doing nothing. Right. right. Um, C, uh, which seems to be their approach, uh, try and round up all of the people involved in the separatist movement and mm-hmm. uh, throw them into prison and try and talk them out of being part of a separatist movement. Right. Or D, go in and kill them all. Um, uh, Tiananmen Square style. Right. You know, bring the bring the tanks in. Yeah. Or you'll put them in camps and kill them. Right. Right. Um, When Abraham Lincoln, founder of the Abraham Accords, uh, Mm -hmm. had a separatist movement in the South, Mm -hmm. uh, 150 years ago in the United States, Uh uh, he started a war. Which led to the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Americans, and at the time that was a big percentage of your population. Yes, it was a significant. Yeah. I can't remember though. I did. We did do the numbers on one show. It was like, yeah, 2% I know that something. I, I that I don't remember. I do know that roughly six hundred thousand men died on both you know both sides. But still, they were all Americans, and so that was truly a generation that we lost uh, because of that war. Five mm. years. So it's 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 not clear to me what critics of China think China should be doing in this situation. Exactly. Now, maybe I mean, if you if you wanted to say, well, rounding them up and putting them into into prisons is fine, but they should be not tortured or raped, um, and there, there should be humane treatment of in, of them in the prisons. Totally agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone in prison should be treated decently with dignity as human beings, regardless of the level of crime that they've committed. Um, so, you know, I'm fully on board for that. But if you say they shouldn't be arresting them and putting them in prisons, what should they do? What's it's the not answer? clear to me what, exactly. what their alternative is. I mean, there's yeah. a, it's a bunch of bad options, it seems to me. Anyway, before, just to wrap up, yeah. I want to, yeah. I want to, because um, we, we're over an hour here, I want to go back to this BBC article. Now, apart from right. batshit crazy Adrian Zenz that they quote, 
their right. main witness in this story is a woman called uh, Tersenai Zia Wudun. She's sure. one of the women who's all over the media um, as gotcha. a uh, as a witness, firsthand mm-hmm. uh, eye account witness. Again, sort of being funded, paid for by the Uyghur, you know, Congress, Human Rights Project, whatever. So being funded mm-hmm. by the CIA slash NED um, uh, uh, to tell these stories. Now, in this story in the BBC, she said that when she was there, her earrings were yanked out, causing her ears to bleed because they were taking all of their jewellery away, all of the women's right. jewelries in the camps. Um, then she said police began interrogating her about her absent husband, knocking her on the floor when she resisted and kicking her in the abdomen. Police Mm. boots are very hard and heavy. So at first I thought he was beating me with something, she said. Then I realized that he was trampling on my belly. I almost passed out. I felt a hot flush go through me. Sounds terrible. Right. However, in February 2020, a year ago, she was interviewed in BuzzFeed And she said, I wasn't beaten or abused. The hardest part was mental. It's something I can't explain. You suffer mentally. Being kept someplace and forced to stay there for no reason, you have no freedom. You suffer. Maybe she dreamed it, the boots. So so the point is, what's the truth? Was she lying then? Is she lying now? Was she paid to give that story now that now that she's out of there? I mean, so again, you got one person giving two different stories. How are we supposed to know what the truth is? That's a big difference in stories. I wasn't beaten or abused to that. They were trampling on my belly. I almost passed out. Yeah. And I almost passed out. Um, And then she also said later on, we were all handcuffed and shackled and were frequently called out for interrogation. Um, and like so, yes. Point one is a story has changed over time. Right. Um, <clears throat> now there may be valid explanations for that. Maybe when she was first interviewed, she forgot that she was stomped on. Maybe she um, was worried about speaking the truth. I mean, th- mm-hmm. there are potentially extremely valid um, explanations for that. Right. But the the other issue here is that the BBC doesn't point out that she's changed her story uh, over the last you, year. Right. If you're going to give the story, give the story a- as accurately as you possibly can and not just going for sensationalist points. They're te- yeah, they're telling the w- one version of a story without going, you know, however, a year ago yeah. she said something r- completely different um, yeah. and Good. why. I mean, a journalist, yeah. an, an, a non-bi- an unbiased uh, neutral yeah. journalist should be, doing the work that fucking I have to do um, <laughs> here. Uh, I was gonna, if you could do it, I think they have slightly better resources than you. They should be able to do, they should be able to at least go up to Cameron level is my guess. <laughs> Come on. Let's not expect too much from them. <laughs> okay. Between the Ray, you can barely see it. The Ray and the, so we came, it's off the chart, the Cameron level, somewhere in between that. Come on. Give me yeah. Um, and I, in the last episode, I talked about another woman who's uh, in the mm. media a lot as a source um, whose story doesn't hold up very well, Miri Gul Tursun. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third woman that I came across in a lot of articles is called um, Sarya Gul Saltbay. Right. Uh, in October 2019, she was interviewed by Haretz in Jerusalem, 
She said um, they were forced to eat meat in the camp. Meat was served on Fridays, but it was pork. The inmates were compelled to eat it, even if they were religiously observant and did not eat pork. Now, me, being forced to eat pork, I'm like, fuck yes, bring it on. I mean, you know. Right. Maybe maybe they were trying to make sure these people didn't suffer from malnutrition, mm, and I'm right. not being sarcastic. Go ahead. No, Sorry. There's Paul. more to the story. Okay. Because um, when you go back to her interview in the Globe and Mail in August right. 2018, right. she said, detainees only had three kinds of food, rice, soup, and vegetable soup, and nan bread. Sorry. Right. Let me go back. Rice, soup, vegetable soup, and nan bread. There was no meat. Oh. So she, she was said, forced to eat something they didn't have. Have to give. Um, in so Tourette's in October 2019, yeah. she said there were all kinds of tortures there. Some prisoners were hung on the wall and beaten with electrified truncheons. There mm. were prisoners. I'm like, who comes up? Who's going, you know what? This truncheon's not really, it's not really doing the job. I mean, it's breaking bones it. and it's right. internal yeah. bleeding. But you know but what? I think we can, you know, let's hands. not get lazy here. Let's improve right. on this. Yeah. Zip, zow, zip, zip, zow. Yeah. Yeah. There were prisoners who were made to sit on a chair of nails. I saw people return from that room covered in blood. Some came back without fingernails. Mm. Gotcha. Most extreme um, sounding, you know, torture, yeah. uh, horrifying, yeah. horrifying torture. Unfortunately, right. in August of 2018 in Globe and Mail, she said she personally did not see any violence. I heard about it from a friend whose plumber brother's cousin heard that and told me. So, again, there may be legitimate explanations for right. this. But, but if you in, keep if stacking in, them up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If in a couple of hours of, of research, I can yeah. pick a whole bunch of holes right. um, with these stories, then you have to wonder, A, what's really going on? Why are their stories changing so dramatically over the course of that year or two? Right. B, why aren't the, the Western media agencies reporting on the discrepancy between their stories. Why aren't they reporting about how the World Wigger Conference is funding all of this and how it in turn is funded by the NED and, the you know, its background is with the CIA as a CIA uh, front, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, or, or CIA <clears throat> affiliate organisation probably. I'm not, you know. I, right. Why aren't these stories being told by the media? Right. I have to, like, so again, okay, so there's only a couple of explanations for why they're not telling us this full story. One, um, they don't know. Uh, they haven't done any research. B, they do know, but they decide not to tell it because they think it's too much information for people to handle or it's right. not relevant or it's boring or they're deliberately withholding it because they want to give you a certain slant on the story and, um, they, yeah. you know, this is inconvenient uh, facts. Yeah. Or their masters are making them toe the line. The owners of these various agencies or, or, or who, who knows, the directors. Yeah. Someone's, someone's purpose is being served. When you have an omission like this, someone's purpose is being served. So that's all I've got. 
uh, Ray, on yeah. this situation. Like, again, I'm going to close by uh, uh, reiterating this Please. for the people that are fucking hard of hearing and, right. and are going to, you know, go on Facebook and say, you said yeah. X, Y, and Z, which I never said. I'm not saying this isn't happening and I'm not saying right. that it isn't horrible. I'm saying that the stories have big problems. The sources have big problems and are very yeah. easily to pick apart. And I want to know why. And I want to know why the uh, uh, flakiness of the sources isn't being reported on by the media. Two, I want to know why the coverage of this is so extreme and wall-to-wall and over-the-top versus the coverage of the treatment of the Palestinians or prisoners in Guantanamo or Australians asylum seekers or whatever it is in the country, Mm -hmm. wherever you're reading the Uyghur stories, your own country's level of atrocities. Um, and I just want people to to not so I, you know I want people to think a little bit more deeply about this stuff and develop a sense a bullshit filter for like look this sounds horrible but it sounds way too con- conveniently horrible way right. too conveniently horrible yeah. like prisoners were made to sit on a chair of nails I mean come on you've been watching yeah. too many fucking Rambo movies really coming right. up with these stories I mean next they'll be like they were putting putting fucking electrodes on his testicles. Eh, you know, this is an 80s Cold War. Look at right. how look at how def, um, depraved the communists yes. are kind of stuff, right? It's, yeah. it's over the top. You don't like. Yeah. Green or, but then again, we have photos from American torture <laughs> CIA. What was the American CIA torture camp? Um, Abu Ghraib. Abu Ghraib. <laughs> well, didn't we? Where didn't we America was literally or, torturing people. So you know, didn't uh, we convict one or two people for that? So you're welcome. Low, low-ranking uh, yes. soldiers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good point. I hadn't even thought about Abu Ghraib until now, but America tortured the Every, fuck out of people for a years. A lot of people and years have done it. Probably still doing it. it. Yeah, it's none of your business, Cam. Justified torture. No, it's not yeah. torture. It was enhanced interrogation techniques. Right. So I, for, I forgot. For national security. It's all about national security. Anyway, that's uh, all I have to say on that. If you disagree, listen. And I, I said this to Liam Bustle, and I'll reiterate it again if he's listening. Look, if you want to argue with me on this, feel free. I, I welcome. Mm-hmm. I welcome challenges. I welcome arguments. I welcome being proven wrong. But the best way to do it is to come on the show. And let's have a discussion about it. Um, yeah. Making up shit that I didn't say and saying I said it on Facebook is not going to, it's not right. going to get it's my not attention. Fly. Exactly. It's not going to fly. Not going to fly. I'm just going to call you out for speaking bullshit. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to challenge me on any of this, and this is open invitation to anyone, send me an email, CameronRiley at gmail.com, um, and we'll line up a time. Come on. Let's have a discussion about it. Let's have a debate yeah. about it. Tell me why I'm wrong and how I'm wrong. I we welcome it. Yes, I welcome we it. Want- yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. China could be run by, you know. Uh, Martians. Who's, who's the guy from Harry <laughs> Potter with no nose? He could be oh, run by him. Voldemort. Voldemort, you know. He who shall not be named. Yeah. A bunch of cloned Voldemorts. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> As we said last time, we're not being paid by China yet. Yet. Uh, we, we're free agents. We, yeah. we <laughs> I'm don't more than happy be, for it to come are. out that all of this is true and China's, right. you know, the we embodiment just of evil. But, but show but, me but, your sources. Yeah. Show me your facts. 
Yeah. But and you, you made this point months ago. It's pretty much trying to find out. We're trying to understand more fully the process of organized lying to the various peoples in the various countries. We just want to expose it, understand it better, it's, it, figure out why or how it's so systematic. We're just trying to figure out because the new weapon is social media. It's about lying. It's about controlling someone's mind. You can control the gun in someone's hand, or you can control the mind that holds the gun. And that's what people are trying to do with propaganda. Deep. The mind that controls the gun, Ray Harris. Thank you. Mm. Let me write that down. (laughs) All right. Well, that's it uh, for this episode of the Bullshit Filter, folks. Um, Don't be a cunt. Be nice to each other. Scotty Burbick, if you're listening, you know what you got to do. Don't fuck up. Don't make me proud. I mean, don't, not, don't, no, don't, make, don't. Make, make him don't, proud. Make me, I got yeah, this. That. Make him Thank proud. You.